the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show, Thursday, December 21st, 2023. I am Seth Leibson. Mr. Bill to my right, David Dahl, my producer in front of me, and Terry behind him, backing him up. A headline in the Washington Post today, quote, A baby orangutan's, a baby orangutan's paternity was unclear. Maury Povich had the results. Close quote. Headline in the Washington Post. I couldn't read it, but then I turned over to the New York Times and saw a long essay today there titled, quote, When the Culture Wars Came for Dog Training, close quote. That's the New York Times. The first pullout quote in that New York Times piece was this, quote, I will not project colonial capitalist or other patriarchal concepts on my dog, close quote, which is what someone wrote on Instagram about traditional dog training. Yeah, this essay I read. It's about the most famous dog trainer on the internet, Zach George, who among other things has warned about misogyny in the dog training industry. But more so, he has developed a concept known as non-aversive training, which is pretty much just more about gentle and positive reinforcement than sanctioning in training, or what is known as balanced training, which is a mix of reward and scolding. But it does go further with notions of getting consent from your dog, not someone else's dog, yours, before you pet the dog. You have to get consent from your own dog before petting it. Mr. George says it's a symbol of toxic masculinity to object to seeking that consent from your dog. As I say, this Mr. George is more popular than even Cesar Milan, at least on the Internet, with his millions of followers, leaving other dog trainers in the dust. You've heard me say when you think of the institutions that have been taken over by the left from schools to athletics to the news industry to the entertainment industry to most C-suites in the business industry, it's actually quite remarkable Republicans or conservatives win any elections ever. I should like to reaffirm that point a fortiori as we now have also yielded the training and care of our dogs industry to this warped thinking. That point aside, do people really believe we should give up on talking about and fighting for the culture? Really? A great many people were surprised after October 7th to see our youth and college students so associate with the progressive left, exploiting and vomiting out their hatred and there's no shortage of exploitive and progressive sentiment in this country, to be sure. We saw it in the riots of 2020. We've been seeing it in the social media and standard media commentaries and use of extremist language to attack with the worst adjectives, normative conservative sentiment. Prior examples, Mitt Romney will put blacks in chains. Donald Trump is an anti-Semitic fascist. Republicans are enemies of the state and existential threats to the country, constitution, 
and so on. It even became chic and undenounced when popular entertainers could depict and scream for violence and death threats or displays against a Republican president. Meanwhile, very little from those who used those words, very little, if anything, about the rise in college students, the awakening in our college students to the wisdom and glorification of Osama bin Laden last month. The point being, unrestrained and unmoored leftism was boiling up here, and the Democratic Party was coddling it when it wasn't nurturing it for policy objectives. And standard notions of right and wrong became blurred, all while younger and younger minds, sponges that they are, soaked that all up. Meanwhile, the domestic cultural indices were getting worse and worse and may have been feeding all of the foregoing. Crime has been rising. Sentiment against the police has been rising. The homeless population has been growing. Drug abuse and death has been rising. And all of this at unprecedented levels. Life expectancy was going down. Obesity was going up. Church and religious attendance and marriage was declining. Anime and depression and isolation were rising. Then, of course, there, right in the middle of all of this, came crashing in a novel virus that was exploited for political and sociological purposes. And it, as only could possibly happen in a fragilized and highly politically divisive society, roiled all of us further. It split up relationships, friendships, families, coworkers, churches, synagogues, and children. And it put in grave doubt institutions we used to rely on for stability and trust. In the healthcare industry, we fractured, we compound fractured here, first slowly, then quickly. And so today we have these grave confusions about what to do and what to prioritize, even whether we can do anything anymore, solve anything anymore, whether we just have to embrace a permanent new abnormal. And serious newspapers have headline stories on Maury Povich finding the birth father of an ape while there is a movement to ensure dogs give consent before their owners batter them by petting them without so seeking such consent first. We have children thinking they're dogs and leaves. So I guess, why not? I was thinking about what earlier generations thought of America and American culture, and I was thinking of a particular word Winston Churchill used anniversarily enough just over 80 years ago. An older generation grew up in an America that understood intuitively what Ronald Reagan once said, or often liked to say, I should say, we can do anything we set our minds to. We're Americans after all, Ronald Reagan would say. In other words, we weren't distracted by nonsense and didn't put up with a lot of it. But Churchill, on the night of Pearl Harbor, wrote this in his diary, quote, Silly people, and there were many, might discount the force of the United States, but once the fire is lighted under America, there is no limit to the power it can generate, close quote. He knew to dismiss silliness and that it was silly to dismiss America. But to younger generations, they've been raised and steeped and seeped in silly and silliness. They don't know American unity in times of crisis. They don't appreciate American heroism or study it or put much credence in it. They aren't allowed to play cops and robbers and know the distinctions between good and bad. And they no longer say they want to grow up to be policemen or firemen or astronauts or G.I. Joe. Instead, tell, tell Tim to stay here. I need to 
I need to pick a bone with him. Instead, they've grown up in a world that has been catastrophized, all while being fed a steady diet of the very silliness Churchill spoke of. Whether it was extremist rhetoric that became the new coin of parlance, whether it was the modes of entertainment and decontextualized analysis on serious issues that came from social media, or whether it was a misplaced empowerment that was encouraged by replacing fact and truth with feelings and my truth. And adults encouraged all this mental, emotional, and chronologic infantilization. Anyone remember The Tiger King, one of Netflix's most popular releases ever amongst adults? So here we are, competing interests and confused stations, few adults, a lot of children, and a lot of infantilized adult behavior and arrested development. Toss in a good measure of mental health deficits and the hair-trigger anger, and I have for you a perfect illustration of today's America on the cusp of her 250th birthday. I hope it isn't written by historians as the silly birthday. Today, to many, the main story is or should be or might be Israel and Gaza, or maybe Russia and Ukraine, or Afghanistan— Or to many, they ask, what of all the other problems right here, though, when we think about the foreign affairs? From the border to crime to the economy to everything else I mentioned above, both sides are not wrong in their questioning of priorities and attention. What we have here, though, I think, is a genus and species problem. All of our domestic issues, and there are many, are resultant from a misplaced prioritization of values or ethics or what constitutes the right thing to do and the wrong thing to do, stemming from a lack of ability to discern right and wrong, good and less good, decent and indecent, beneficent, beneficial and harmful, and not being silly, spending money we don't have, violating laws that are justified to be violable, dispatching policies that we convince ourselves are justifiable on certain retail levels but stem from wholesale madness. Take one small illustration, just one of many, defunding police, or take another, handing out drug paraphernalia to addicts not in recover not in recovery. Wholesale sanity. Once upon, a high, once upon a time here, we would say, if there's a crime, you need more cops. If there's an addict, you get them to recovery. If there's a fire, you run for water, not gasoline. If there's a boy, he goes to the boys' or men's room. If there's a girl, she gets a bathroom and competitive athletic team with other girls. All those things are now controversial. I'm Seth, and I'll be right back. Well, welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show. Okay, that music. Uh, yeah, I've been on a tear about Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. First of all, let me introduce the audience, Tim Andrews. Um, I have had a practice over the course of the last several months of introducing various members of our sales team, and they've come on air, Craig and the rest. And I did a little bit of a monologue on your uh, violations of etiquette the other day with regard to brownies, Tim. That's a harsh word. The violation? Yeah. <laughs> if you want to defend yourself, you can. But I think I'm generally right. Mm. You don't scour around for what everyone knows is the best brownie, all the while defenestrating what everyone knows is the worst of brownies. I didn't scour. I flipped each brownie over to see what they had to offer. And I just happened and just to- happened to land on the chocolate chip brownie that, by <laughs> any acclamation, the Rolls Royce of brownies. Yeah, it was a good one. Uh huh. And you're just going to be happy about that and move on, huh? You're not going to apologize to. All right. Well, anyway, I it's <laughs> you're a good man. You brought in your wife, brought in your dog today. I love it. I loved your dog. What is what a sweetie, Sophie. 
Yeah, we were blessed. Um, one of the other folks that we work with, I walked into her office one day and I said, if you ever have a labradoodle yeah. show up on your rescue list, please let me know. Yeah. And, of course, she said to me, labradoodles never show up on the list. Yeah. And lo and behold, yeah. two weeks later. The chocolate chip brownie of dogs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you, like to, you like to really, really scour for the best of the, the rare of the rare and take them for yourself, don't you? Sophie has fit into our house Absolutely incredible. Yeah. Uh, about a week ago, uh, Sophie likes to counter surf. Mm-hmm. And I've never experienced that with a dog because I've never had a dog that big. Yeah. I mean, Getty, who's named after Getty Lee, is about eight inches tall. Uh-huh. He doesn't counter surf. Yeah. Sophie counter surfs. So we go to Costco and we buy a whole package of uh, pita bread. And my wife left it on the counter. Yeah. Well, guess who ate it all? Oh, yeah. no. <laughs> yeah. Sophie was scouring around the counter for the chocolate chip version of what exactly. she got. Yes. I see this is a problem in the Andrews household so, generally. Sophie didn't make any difficult selections uh-huh. at that point. She went exactly for what she was hungry for, just like me. Uh-huh. I love chocolate chip. Yeah. But you're not a dog, Tim. <laughs> I'm glad you walked by and could stop in. I didn't want people to think I was just inventing you. You actually exist. <laughs> you have exist. agency. Yes. Yeah. Well, I want to wish you and um, your team a Merry Christmas. Thanks for stopping Merry Christmas in. It's good to, to see you. I haven't seen you around lately. You've been busy working, so thank you. All right. All right, brother. Uh, please come back sometime. Absolutely. Okay. It'd be fun to have you. Let me just put a tie on uh, – let me wrap a bow on, on what I was saying in my monologue earlier – In our culture right now, in too many cases, across broad swaths of the spectrum, we have confused, how shall I put this, the arsonist with the fire department. We have run for fire extinguishers when there's a flood, as C.S. Lewis would put it. We have confused the fire with the fire brigade, as an old friend of mine put it. We don't know what to do anymore. We just don't know what proper behavior is anymore. It's almost as if we live... I don't know if any of you read The Phantom Tollbooth by Norman Justice. It's almost as if we live in a Phantom Tollbooth-like Digitopolis, where we eat when we are full and we eat until we are hungry. That way, when we don't have anything at all, we have more than enough, as they say in Digitopolis. So the arguments we see as well as the priorities we are placing our attention on really do boil down to culture. How we view ourselves, how we view distinctions of morality and nature, how we view the differences between animals and humans, or at least understanding there is a difference, just as there is a difference between humans and God, which we've also erased. It's all the same fight, the foreign policy, the domestic policy. It's all the same fight or should be seen as such. To to the degree there is angst by those concerned about problems here being shunted aside for problems abroad or vice versa, it's the same fight or at least the same genesis of problem. The illustration of confused understandings of right and wrong, some in sharper relief than others. For those that see it more clearly by being farsighted or those that see it more clearly by being nearsighted, Our ethics and morality are simply not in 2020 proportion and have not been for some time. 
but it's the same collision course in front of our eyes. As Lincoln put it, it's all our territory. It's really all the same battle. 602-508-0960. Let's go to Rick in Phoenix. Hello, Rick. Hey, hello there, Seth. How are you, sir? I'm doing well, thank you. It's mighty good to talk to you. Thank you for taking my call. I hope you're having a wonderful day. Yep, you betcha. Thank you. So your monologue, as always, was outstanding. Thanks. And it made me think, uh, you know, after the attack on Pearl Harbor, uh, I'm not, I won't get the quote exactly right, but kind of paraphrasing, I seem to remember that one of the generals, uh, Japanese generals, said... Uh, we have awakened a sleeping giant. Yeah, supposedly Yamamoto said it, I think. Supposedly. Yeah, okay. I, I don't know if he actually did or if the movies have him doing that, but that's what you're talking about, right? Yeah, that's yeah. what I'm right. talking about. So my question is for you, and I, I'd like your thoughts on this, uh, give, you know, uh, given your monologue, because that's what made me think about this. What is it going to take to awaken the sleeping giant? giant today well that's the toughest of all questions to answer and it's painful because it's a painful question yeah because because i don't know if let me put it this way to awaken something you have to be able to discern between sleep and uh woke uh, uh, being awake you know uh -huh. you have to you have to be able to discern i suppose a nightmare from a dream and yeah. and I, I don't know if you look at such huge cohorts of America, I just don't know if they think what you and I think is good is actually bad. I think they do. I don't think yeah. they esteem the same things you and I do. I don't think they value the same things you and I do. And That's I think, you know, this whole notion of wokeness to be to, 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 you know, this whole notion of wokeness, you know, you give this philosophy of wokeness power, as in, let's say, our major urban cities or urban areas or our universities, and it's a rot to us. They love and thrive in it. To them, this yeah. rot, you know, this rot has brought, you know, hell up from earth, as almost every other Marxist attempt to bring heaven down to earth has shown itself and borne itself out to be. I gotta Touché. take a, I gotta take a commercial break. So it's this notion. Let me come back with you on this. But it's oh. this notion. It's this notion. You know, people will say, "Well, you know, Joe Biden or Kamala Harris or the Democrats. You know, they're doing such evil. They're trying to destroy America." They don't think so. Maybe this to them is the dream. To us, it's a nightmare. But to them, it might be a dream. I think it's absolutely insane, crazy, you-know-what droppings. What you're doing to boys and girls at young ages and that boys can go into girls' locker rooms. They think it's enlightenment. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. Uh, 602-508-0960. I skipped over the Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer thing, but we'll come back to it in a moment. Um, I'm talking with uh, Rick in Phoenix. Rick, it's a matter of uh, perspective. What we um, what we have here, I believe, is um, 
What we have here is a story of inmates who have taken over an asylum and convinced the well that they are sick, and it is the sick who are convincing themselves and others that this is what well looks like and should be. Yeah, yeah. I, it's, it is distressing, but I, I agree with you completely, Seth. I think that's where we are. And the thing that reinforces that is, you know, that decision yesterday yeah. by, 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 those, uh, by the Supreme Court of Colorado uh, basically one more time, I mean, it's been time after time after time, the judiciary, the prosecutors the, the, that have just corrupted and abused and misused our legal system, our politics, and yet they seem to think that they're in the right doing this. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's distressing. Brother. Yeah, they think this is elevated thinking. They think they're doing it to save um, to save democracy. Yeah. Uh, yeah, they think they're doing it that what they have done. See, and this is the perfect culmination of the progressive notion that we know better. The experts, yeah. we the experts, know better. We four will decide for 1.8 million people who they can and cannot vote for, who they should and should not support. And 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 this from a party and movement that accuses us of voter suppression, right? Yeah, laughable, isn't it? Yeah, and yet, and that's yet it. not. It's not, it's cryable, really, isn't it? Yeah, it is cryable. I mean, you have to you have to laugh to keep from crying. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and to top it all off, Seth, they don't want to talk to you, or they want to shut you up. They want to shut us up. They don't. They will not talk to reason they just want to shut you up shut us up because they don't want to hear it i heard a uh, can i can i throw something at you i heard yeah. a fascinating call to the dennis brigger show this morning okay guy calls up and asks dennis for his advice and it is this the family the the guy has in his front yard a sign that says in this house, we support Israel. Okay? Yeah. It's on the front yeah. yard or at the front entrance or something. Yeah. He says his uh, daughter and son-in-law will be coming home for Christmas. They support Hamas. Oh. Does he take the sign down or not for the purpose of uh, comity, you know, friendship, yeah. friendliness, uh, getting yeah. along? Hell of an interesting question in certain respects. Or is oh, it? Oh, yeah. Is it a toughie or not? I don't know. Dennis was, you know, Dennis's first response was, wow. Yeah. Wow that there are, you know, people that can grow up in normal families and end up supporting Hamas. Yeah. It yeah. might have been somewhat instructive that one of the, that the, uh, that the in-law, I believe the in-law was stated to be Armenian, if I'm not mistaken, which is itself also a, an interesting twist on it. Yeah. But what do you do for family cohesion? Do you do you pacify and appease and thus give up the moral seriousness or do you not? What's I don't know what the answer is here. On the yeah. one hand, the family unit and you know is important and anyone who's lost one knows how 
much you've lost when you do lose it over petty issues or not petty issues, moral issues, whatever issues, yeah. uh, COVID issues, whatever you name it. On the other, we're talking about barbarism versus civilization. Right, right. How would you answer it? Wow, Seth, you... <laughs> it's a toughie, right? It, it is. It's it is really interesting. And I say, wow, I know there is a scripture that says, as far as possible within you, be at peace with all men. Okay. So it's, my... It's that first set of words that trips us up. That's it. And so my, my take is, it's got to be determined on an individual level. No. If, if you feel like you must take a stand, then you've got to take that stand. If you feel like you need to, uh, you know, make peace and maybe do a little compromise, you got to do that. Yeah, I know. It's a toughie. We'll be right back. Portions of this show are brought to you by Y-Refi. They have a secure investment where you can earn up to a 10.25% fixed rate of return, and it's not correlated to the stock market or the Federal Reserve. With a ton of flexibility where you are in control, you can turn your income on or off. You can compound it, whatever you like. Peace of mind. No attack on principle. If you ever need your money back, there are absolutely no fees. And, of course, you get a monthly statement that comes with no Surprises. This is a secure collateralized portfolio from Y-Refi, and you can check them out at investyrefi.com. That's invest, the letter Y, then refy.com, or give them a call at 888-Y-REFI-24, 888-Y-REFI-24. Coming into the break, uh, out of the break, I was just listening to Seb Gorka doing another ad on a um, on a uh, on an investment uh, uh, concept, and I was thinking, you know, it's particularly important if anyone ever asks the question why does talk radio have so much advertising for investment opportunities it's because we believe that wealth creation is a good thing there is nothing to be ashamed of in wanting your fellow americans and citizens to do better. And it stretches from the very founding of our country to precious few precincts, unfortunately, today anymore. I remember when Jack Kemp, I was thinking about this just a little bit because I'm going to talk to Carrie Lake's going to join us in a few minutes. I was just thinking, and she was gonna, wanting to talk a little bit about the economy and ho- housing and stuff. I was thinking about my old boss, Jack Kemp, when he was proposing things like enterprise zones to give uh, lower and middle class people in um, in hardened urban areas um, in opportunities to do better and own a piece of that which they would build through tax incentives and the like. And Barney Frank said, and Barney Frank opposed such things when Kemp was a congressman proposing such things. Barney Frank opposed such things by saying, you know, all you seem to care about is the material well-being of these people. And it's not as if they'll ever be able to afford the kind of house you have. 
to which Jack Kemp said, A, I don't know why not, and B, more importantly, what's wrong with wanting to create wealth in this country? All you guys do is create and harden poverty. There's nothing wrong with creating wealth, and it's about high time we start prioritizing that and not putting moral credibility on endemic poverty. It's not a good condition. Ask someone who's in it. We'll be right back. We won't be right back. I have a lot more time. You got a lot more time. All right, what should I do with it? You want me to talk about Rudolph or something else? <laughs> yeah. I thought I really hit a good post there. <laughs> wow. I really thought I did. No, we got about five minutes. Oh, I'm in totally the wrong segment. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> All right. I'll say what I I'll 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 speak about Rudolph Let's, then. Who's Rudolph? Mr. Bill will know this because he listens to the Adam Carolla show. Talk about, uh, There's something really wrong with the whole story and press and 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 um, and presumption of Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. The entire platform is off. The entire basis. First of all, first of all, red lights do not illuminate things to see. They're about seeing that which has a red light on it. No one has ever said, shine a red light on that so I can see it better. Oh, my goodness. The red light is a beacon that you stay away from. It doesn't, it's, it's not a headlight. It's not high beams. It's not a beam, first of all. Second of all, it's not a wonderful story that he was so bullied by all his brethren but is it a great thing that Santa Claus's reward to him is to put him out front of a deadly exercise in the worst of blizzard conditions? Is this the reward? Oh, let me take mercy on him. Here's a deadly mission we have to go on. You get in front. You know who got the bad rap in the story was Bumble the Abominable Snowman. All he had was a toothache. He was not bullying Rudolph. By the way, that 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 creature forever has freaked me out. <laughs> I still get nightmares about Bump. I think his name was Bumble. Uh, just the abominable snowman. Yeah, it might be. Yeah, Bumble sounds. I right. think that was his and name. Uh, that the, imagery the of him frightens me. And frightens. Silver miner. Yeah. All right, I just had to get. That. I thought Adam. But had do you a- know why it's red? It no. After all, don't you know why Alexander Graham Bell made the stoplight have red for stop? Because red light travels the farthest. It has the longest wavelength. To see, not to help others see, so that you can see the red stop sign. Not that the red stop sign is illuminating anything. <laughs> In fact, arguably, the yellow light would illuminate more on a traffic signal than a red light. Well, Gene Autry wouldn't have been able to sing out, Ru- Rudolph the yellow-nosed reindeer. Yes, Mr. Bill, Mr. Is, Bill, is, Mr. Bill is here on the point. Point yes. crusher of the year goes to David. He tried to one. point crush, totally but he failed. To point crush you. He failed in point crushing. You crushed the point crushing. Yeah, it, the red light, no one has ever said, oh, I, I can't see that far, shine a red light on it. No one has ever said that since. I've never heard that. No. I've never said that. But if you want to. I feel like Stanley f- from The Office, I've never heard that. But if you want to stay away that. from something and avoid crashing into it, 
Oh, put up a red light. Yes. So like a radio we, tower. Like a radio tower. Like a navigational so it can be beacon. Seen for the farthest away. Broadcasting exactly. this very show. Can be seen. Doesn't can help others see. Well, I, I think it just has to do with the lyrics. I mean, what? You want to have the green nosed reindeer or the blue nosed reindeer? I don't know. One syllable, they both work. Yeah. You just can't have magenta. You know, unlike Paul Simon, you don't need the syllables. Rudolph the one. chocolate nosed reindeer. Speaking I mean, of chocolates, oh, by the way. Oh, speaking no. of we'll get we'll get back to some serious matters in a moment. But speaking of, is there anything better than cha- chocolate wrapped in tinfoil? No. When you see the little candies, the little Santas or the little whatever things, not so much the Hershey Kisses because that's kind of – I don't know why. It's just – that's a something I don't – but any other milk chocolate or other kind of chocolate candy in it and it's got the tinfoil. What is it about tinfoil wrap? You know what? It's not just chocolates. When ding-dongs were wrapped in tinfoil, that made them better. When Pop-Tarts were wrapped in tinfoil, for some reason – I got a Harry and David basket the other day, a fruit – one of the pairs is wrapped in tinfoil. You think that's oh, the better pair? got to be yes. the best. What is it about tinfoil? We just now, sold U.S. Steel, so I don't know what, what where this is coming from, Alcoa or whatever. But we, we, we wrapping in tinfoil somehow makes a better now, thing. Now, wait a minute. When you wrap a piece of chocolate in tinfoil, it makes it better. But when Sam Stone and I put tinfoil on our heads, we aren't allowed within 50 yards of an elementary school. Or ever behind these mics again. <laughs> Okay, you, no, no, no. I knew this would happen. I, I knew if you were allowed on one this. Elvis song, you would do that. I was wondering when you'd pick up on we're this. We're not. I, right away. I'm you, glad. you are allowed one Elvis song, and now you're just testing the waters here. Do you know why I'm doing this today? The waters are roiling on this side of the do mic. Do you know why I'm doing this today? On December 21st. No, actually, I don't know his birthday off the top of my head. No, today is the anniversary of the most requested picture in the United States National Archives, which is... Oh, what a great question. Wait a minute. It's the anniversary of its painting or something? The anniversary of the... Uh, the capture, the capture, the photography of the it. Capture of the most and it's the most requested picture, picture from the United States National Archives. Can you tell me what that is? How would uh, they request? You mean like a reprint of it? They want it for their house or art or postcard or something? Being as uh, I did not intern at the National Archives in college, you're I don't just really going with know. the headline. Okay. I'm just going with the headline. <laughs> okay, don't ask too deeply. It's about. It's like asking me about sports. If yeah. I say one thing, you don't want to go too far with it. You don't want to go too deep. Um, Do I need to give you more hints? Yeah. Um, someone was uh, given a Colt forty-five pistol and a badge of the Bureau of Narcotics at this meeting. Is it Elvis with Nixon? Elvis and Nixon. That's Seriously? Right. That's that the most requested? Today, 53 years ago when Elvis asked Nixon to team up to fight drugs, communism, and the Beatles. That letter that Elvis wrote, as I recall, is pretty good. Uh, Elvis wrote a letter to Nixon that's pretty good about wanting to fight the drug problem. I'm on your side. Yeah. 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 I didn't know that. Uh, the Beatles have been a real force for anti-American spirit. <laughs> okay, all those right. who use drugs right. are also are right. those are in the vanguard of anti-American protest. Sir, I can and will be he, of any service. He like Nixon. Okay, here's how I would wrap that up in tinfoil. He like Nixon were both undone by that which they said 
was the wrong lesson in life to draw. So if you look at Elvis, he was undone by illegal use of drugs. That's true. Yeah. And Nixon, in his farewell speech to the White House staff, speaks about not hating people. He said, others may hate you, but when you hate them back, you, you lose yourself, yeah. which was the lesson he never learned for himself as he's communicating it, the one lesson he wished he drew from his life as he leaves the White House. They were both undone. That's, there's a Greek, a tra- a, a, an element of Greek tragicness to that. Yeah, yeah. Emerson would, yeah, I, I don't want to ruin that point. I want to think more about it, though. Carrie Lake coming up. Don't go away. We'll be right back. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com. 